You're live with Get Connected, Mike Agarboer with Andy Barrar. Got a great show for you today. Of course, we'll be going open line later in the program. Uh, we'll also be talking uh, with Carrie Lockhart. She's uh, with uh, Deloitte about uh, tech predictions for 2015. Yeah, Deloitte, um, every year they, they kind of make these telecommunication, media, and um, the predictions, basically. And they're always right, Mike. Everything that they do is based on facts, like science and data. And so they were the ones that said that phablets years, a couple of years ago, that we're going to take off. And I remember we were on the show. We're like, nobody wants a big smartphone. And look today, everybody has a smartphone that's... Andy, wait a minute. I'm always right. And I don't use <laughs> Even any... when you're wrong. Yeah, even I don't even use science. <laughs> no, so it's uh, some pretty interesting stuff. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what uh, they think. 2015 will be like well i was telling you yesterday i start to tell people what they think is what i think <laughs> so i can sound smart that i i made these right predictions maybe we shouldn't have them on the show and just claim it as our own i guess we could do that we as could well. do that some interesting stuff uh in uh the news uh this week uh you, you probably saw this uh andy uh apple uh announced their quarter results uh up to uh the month ending in december of uh, 2014. So that's three months. Three months. Do you know how many iPhones they sold? 74.5 million now, iPhones. When, let's do some math here. That equates to 30,000 iPhones sold every hour, 24 hours a day for the entire quarter. Isn't that crazy? That's mind-boggling. 69% of their total revenue that they make now, Apple as a company, comes from the iPhone. That's their big moneymaker right now and it's amazing just how much it's increased and this is post steve jobs so i'm i'm very impressed with uh with how they're they're doing right now well obviously a lot of factors behind that uh they've uh, finally gone with larger phones mm -hmm. so uh, the new iphone 6 uh, uh five inch and the iphone 6 plus so they're in that whole phablet category now actually the iphone 6 it's, is 4.7 4.7 you're right and the iPhone 6 Plus is 5.5. Crap, I thought I was always right. <laughs> like I said, even when you're wrong, you're right. <laughs> uh, so they've got, you know, I think a, a larger uh, breadth of phones now. Yeah. Uh, but also China, a huge market for them, like huge. Absolutely. They, they've made huge gains in China. It's really one of those, like, luxury items to have in the Chinese market. The only question is, is, like, when when all of your revenue is coming from this one product category, you, you got to worry because if, if the iPhone sales ever go down, that's going to really take a hit on Apple. But with the Apple Watch being announced that it's going to come out in April, the question is, will that be the next big thing? Because the iPad was their new product category in 2010. Uh, and that's interesting because iPad sales uh, fell 22%. Exactly. And that's one of the reasons is that if you buy an, an iPhone or, sorry, an iPad, it doesn't depreciate as fast as an iPhone does, where the turnaround for iPhones is, is around two years yeah. that people will make that upgrade. But, yeah, I've got iPads in, in my house from a few years ago. They're still fantastic. Absolutely. Um, there, there's, there hasn't been a compelling reason, really, I think, to upgrade a lot of these tablets. So that's why they really needed to get into that whole wearable business that we're seeing every company get into. And... The Apple Watch, that's what's really going to determine if this is just a fad or if this is the next big thing. Yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, I, I think they'll do okay with it. They're Apple. They make great products. I, I don't think they're going to sell, like, for example, 74 million 
watches. Uh, obviously, people need phones. They're like almost part of us now. We can't live without one. Um, but, you know, watches, are they going to set the world on fire? I think, I think what really is going to help them is the home kit that they're going to announce later in the summer. And that's going to be able to control everything in your house through your iPhone. Because then now think of all the different products that they could put together in your home. But do they even want to do that? I think so. You think so? Absolutely. They want you to keep buying iPhones. And if your iPhone well, is a remote control. Yeah, I think they'll keep wanting you to buy iPhones. But do they want to get into building pieces for the connected home? I think they have to. We've already seen Google buying Nest. Yeah. Which was created. The, the people that created Nest also created the original iPod back in the day. Yeah, they're then, ex-Apple guys. Ex-Apple guys. So they, they bought Nest. Um, and so Google is trying to become, that's the next frontier for controlling, like the new operating system to control your home. Now Apple's in, in there. We got all these other players as well trying to get into their, you know, Belkin with their Wemo line. I know Netgear now has their Arlo line. They're trying to get into it. So the, the question is, who's going to come on top? Really, I think it's going to come down to Google and Apple. Because they're the big players in this industry. And imagine if they get all that data of how we use electricity, what kind of stuff goes into our fridge, all that data they could sell to advertisers. And that's what they love to do. Freaky. Another interesting uh, bit of news here uh, on net neutrality. The CRTC has banned Bell and I believe Videotron from subsidizing data usage on their mobile TV app. So just to wrap your head around this, you can get uh, you know your Bell smartphone and plan. And they also have a mobile television app, uh, but they've been subsidizing the data on that. So, you know, typically when you get a smartphone plan, uh, you've got so much data you can use a month and you can pay for more. But if you were paying for this app, you know, for their television service on your phone, they were subsidizing that. So it didn't count towards your data usage. Exactly. Yes. So the CRTC said no go because that's not fair to other content providers absolutely so, i i applaud the crtc for this but data, it's funny like i mean some consumers who obviously like that are going to be you know oh that's not cool because i want my tv <laughs> but other people who like things like netflix and you know these other content providers that's a good thing well the thing is mike up until now any kind of data that goes on the internet has been treated equal whether it's your email whether it's netflix or youtube everything is equal the way I try to explain it to people, it's kind of like a bridge. And you had this bridge and everybody could cross this bridge. Suddenly, Bell comes with this like Lexus lane where you can pay a little bit extra and you can go back and forth and it doesn't count towards anything else. There's no traffic. It's not fair to everyone else. And that's what this whole net neutrality debate is. It's going on in the United States. It's going on in Canada. And that's really what it is. All data should be treated equally. And once you start tearing it like this, it's going to open up. It's it's setting yeah, up. But precedent. is that going to come? Like it's. I think it's going to come that day. It's already starting to. I see that it is coming, but all we need is more data. Give us more data plans. Everything should just be treated equally, because that that's going to hurt Netflix. If suddenly Bell has this, oh, you can use as much as you want. Netflix can't compete with that because anything, anytime people use Netflix on the go when they're not in a Wi-Fi zone. So you're saying it, it would stifle competition? Absolutely. So, you know, another example, and they're not doing this, but, you know, Sean Rogers, they have Show Me, which is kind of their yep. Netflix um, com competitor. Um, so they could, you know, in essence, but they can't, obviously, because the CRTC said that's not allowed. They could say, you know what, if you've got Show Me, 
uh, that won't count towards your data usage on your home internet plan. Absolutely. And that would kind of hurt all the competition. They're not, they're not doing that. They're not doing they're that. They're not doing that. But that's what the CRTC is basically saying. Everyone's got to have a level playing field. Absolutely. And I, I think that's the way that we need to keep it. Because once you go that route where when you have these vertical integrated companies and suddenly they're in the content producing as well and saying, well, you can watch as, our stuff as much as you want. You can't compete. We can't compete. We our, our YouTube channel would not be able to compete with that. No. So it's not fair. The the net should stay neutral like this. All data should be treated equally, and we can't have these little Lexus lanes in the sky for for certain content. Is that how you your the Lexus <laughs> your analogy the Lexus lanes in the sky? Absolutely for for different types of content. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking with the folks over at uh, Deloitte about tech predictions for 2015. Super interesting stuff. You really want to stay tuned and listen to them. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Brar. Later, we'll be going open line. We'll also be uh, finding out what the app of the week is with Christina Stoyanova. Tech predictions, Andy. Yep. I love this. I absolutely stuff. love it, too, because it makes me feel like I'm smart when I <laughs> use Deloitte's predictions as my own. <laughs> you go to the bar later, is that? Absolutely. Yeah. On the line right now, we've uh, got Kerry uh, Lockhart. Thanks for joining us, Kerry. Hey, no problem, guys. So we're excited to have you on because uh, you're going to make Andy look smarter when yeah. he's basically using your stuff at the bar. <laughs> Fantastic. Right? I like doing that for Andy. Uh, so I, I think probably the number one prediction I want to hear from you right now who is going to win the Super Bowl tomorrow? <laughs> Ooh. Oh. A Carrie Lockhart's opinion or Deloitte's opinion? Well, I don't care. <laughs> um, well, I guess you cheer for the Seahawks. Thank good you. answer. Okay, good answer. Yeah. Could have been over really quick here. Yeah, it could have been. Could've so been. so tell us about uh, Deloitte's uh, predictions here. Why do you guys do these? Um, you know, we do them as uh, just in terms of a, an advisor to a lot of consumer business companies, um, tech companies. Um, but, God, they're just a lot of fun. And to really dig into the technologies that we're seeing. And, you know, technology is changing so fast now. Um, and it's not just consumers. It's, it's all, all uh, enterprise, all people, all companies are very focused on technology and uh, how they're changing. Well, let's uh, look at some of these here. Uh, sure. Starting with uh, in-store mobile payments. We're, yeah. we're hearing more and more about this. The smartphones uh, have this technology built in. They've had it for years now. Yeah. Apple uh, has announced their... Uh, you know, their Apple wow. Apple Pay, I believe. Uh, yes. Not seeing it in Canada yet, but is this going to be the year of mobile payments? This is definitely going to be the year of the tipping point. Um, not a lot of uh, Canadians right now pay using their mobile phone with the near-field communication. So just to explain that, that's basically exactly as you described. It's a chip in the phone. And you're not actually having to tap something. It just actually registers that you're paying by the phone. And the reason we see this as a real tipping point is that it's, we're, we as customers are finally starting to feel very comfortable doing banking transactions um, over using our mobile phone, but also the institutions are lining up with the right technology to actually be able to do that um, very affordably for, for businesses so that they can install the right, uh, the right modules in store to do this. So we see it uh, this year as approximately, I believe it's 600 million near-field communicated smartphones transactions will happen um, at least once a month. And that is a 1,000% uh, increase over last year. 
I still have to have money in my bank account, though. To... You do have to have money in your bank account. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> it's an important part. Uh, but, it, uh, you know, obviously it depends on, uh, you know, whether your phone has that technology built into it or not. That's right. But most of our, most of our phones now do. Like for years, Apple never had NFC technology in their iPhones. Yeah. But yeah. they allowed it just for the fact that to make these Apple Pay payments. Yeah. So you can't use NFC to like pair to a, a Bluetooth speaker or not. It's only for that one purpose. That's right. But it's funny, like the other manufacturers like Samsung, they've been putting in for years for no reason. Well, no, they, they, were, <laughs> they were looking for the future, but it just hasn't um, hit that point. It's amazing. Like this, like how's Carrie's saying, 5% of the 600 million NFC phones uh, will be used to make in-store payments. And that's a thousand percent increase from last year. That's right. Let's, uh, we're going to jump around on some of these. Uh, sure. You say print is not dead. No, I think, absolutely. I, I think a lot of people might uh, like this. My wife, for example, likes to read, and yep. she still loves books, like real yep. books, not e-books. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, basically what we're saying is we're not seeing the same trend uh, that we did with, uh, with music, um, you know, that basically CDs were, were dead, and, and print newspapers and magazines. Um, basically, we're still seeing a consistent um, level of sales um, of print books rather than e-books. So print books over the last five years have consistently um, oversold e-books by more than four times. And the reason is, is people like the feel and the look and the, you know, the smell almost of books. Um, and that's not just our, our generation, Gen X and baby boomers. It's millennials, too. So it's the 18 to 34-year-olds that still love a book. Why do you think that is? Um, I think exactly as I said. I think it's we like the feel of it. Um, we like, the, you know, carrying around a book and, and the smell of it. I mean, to be honest, it makes, you know, sometimes you carry around a book, it makes you look smart. Oh, that's interesting what you're reading over there. <laughs> Is that all it takes? That. Is that all it Can't takes? Do that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, like I, I think about like university students, I couldn't imagine going to university with like ebooks because all of my textbooks back then, I would mark them, I'd highlight, I'd, I'd have Absolutely. things all over it, and you just can't do that with an ebook. No, and you know, being able to like have an entire large textbook opened up and then flipping back and forth, that's really hard to do with an ebook. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it might be just because of the the amount of content as well. When you look at newspapers and magazines, it's kind of short-form content. They're like little bite-sized articles. And yeah. for, I think, a lot of people, that's just more convenient to quickly get that online through your computer or tablet. Whereas a book, like, you don't want to sit there for hours reading off a screen. Yeah. yeah it's absolutely. not as comfortable as a book. Absolutely. So book lovers out there, don't despair. They're going to be around yeah. for uh, a long, long time. Uh, some other uh, predictions here. Uh, 3D printing. Uh, everyone keeps talking about this. Yep. Every, every home's going to have a 3D printer, but I, <laughs> I, I don't think that's a reality. It looks like you guys don't either. No, we don't. Um, I mean, I saw Andy down at uh, the Consumer Electronics Show, and, and I'm, I'm sure he was also blown away by the volume of space that 3D printing um, took up on the, just the conference floor. And uh, it's... Uh, real push there was food being printed and everything like that um but we definitely don't see uh the consumers being really pulling into uh having a 3d printer in every home it's really going to be led by enterprise um and if you start thinking about the um the applications of 3d printing in manufacturing being able to print over and over several times a prototype till you get it exactly right 
before you then start actually manufacturing it full in full volume. So we we just see that uh, you know, 3D printers moving into consumers' homes not going to happen. Yeah, and from yeah. what I'm reading here, you're estimating that uh, 80% uh, of them will be more for the um, the business side. That's right, absolutely. I've, I've already seen car manufacturers like Ford use 3D printers because they can make prototypes of cars so quickly now compared exactly. to how they used to do it the old-fashioned way. So I definitely agree with this one. Um, you know, there's all these hobbyists, these like 3D printer geeks out there who like to yeah. tinker, but it's not yeah. going to be that mass consumer adoption, at least not for a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it, at times, there, there have been a couple of times in the last year that I wish I had a 3D printer when my sons have lost one of their Lego pieces, and it's critical that we have it. But, but I'm not going to go and buy a $400 printer for that. It would still be cheaper to do that and print your Lego pieces than buy Lego pieces. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Those things are uh, killer expensive. But, you know, you talked about these 3D printers. Uh, uh, you had mentioned food. Christina's in the, the studio here. When you said print food, she's, like, made yeah. a squished-up face, like, gross. But, like, oh. like, what kind of food are we printing? Like, um, I hope, hopefully not sandwiches. Big Macs. No, Big not, Macs. not sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. No, down in the Consumer Electronics Show, they had cakes. So it was all the outside of the icing okay. on a cake, like the cake, the fondant. Um, I actually tasted one of the sugar cubes that were uh, printed down there. And, Christine, it was really good. It was, <laughs> it was tasty. But am I going to be, you know, making dinner for my 3D printer? 3D printed uh, sausages. Imagine, like, future bakeries. Future yeah. bakeries yeah, where they no, just I have can... a printer and they just print in your cakes. Oh, and... I, I bet. You know what? Yeah. I, if you could hang out a bit here, Ryan, maybe we'll take you on sure. uh, after the break here and get a few more of your predictions. Is that cool? Sure, sounds good, yeah. When we come back, some more tech predictions for 2015, and we'll be opening up the line shortly as well. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and Andy here in studio. We're going to be going open line soon, but right now we're uh, still talking about some of the uh, the tech predictions for 2015. On the line, we've got uh, Ryan Lockhart. Thanks for sticking around, Ryan. Carrie. Carrie. Why do I say Ryan? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I sound like a Ryan. Maybe sure. you have a brother, Ryan. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, some of the other predictions uh, here. Talk about um, short-form video and the future yeah. of television. Yeah, short-form video. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, basically, I mean, what we're, what we're seeing here um, is definitely a, a great interest in short form videos on on youtube some of the you know the people that are are on the youtubers i mean huge followings i mean i think we all know and heard about uh Psy and gangnam style and it was over two billion uh views but it's not going to take over the long form um people still want to watch uh or watch a lot more time um on uh, tv and movies um and that's what's is more being is still being watched. So, so more not... more video content is the longer form, like actual shows, than right. like little YouTube clips. That's right. I don't know if that's true in my house because <laughs> my you know my kids are on YouTube constantly. Yeah, so are mine. But what's interesting, um, and Carrie, I think you know this too, is that the mm -hmm. shorter form videos have more engagement. People are more engaged with those videos than they are with the longer form uh, content. Yeah. Yes, they are definitely. Definitely. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in terms of the, the ad um, advertising. Um, you know, we've seen definitely different types of content have different prices for advertising because of that engagement. 
So that will be interesting to see how that plays out. The Internet of Things. We hear this more and more in the news now, Uh, essentially uh, devices that talk to each other and are are connected on the, uh, the Internet. Uh, is this a big thing for normal people, consumers, homes? Um, you know what? It really is not. We definitely, um, there's a huge um, media focus on having our thermostats and our lights and our garage doors and our coffee makers all connected and we can, uh, we can do it all. But it's, it's much more for enterprise, um, you know, on the um, factories and that will have, um, take a lot more of the market. But that's interesting because, you know, Andy, you're down the Consumer Electronics Show, and we're in this business. We are inundated with all these gadgets that yeah. are, like, you know, part of the Internet of Things, the connected home. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think we're anywhere close to, you know, mass adoption of that. Like, you know, a lot of people can barely work their television. Can you imagine, <laughs> like, then having their, you know, their garage doors and their lights and, and, and their fridges and stuff connected? That's, that's a nightmare. Well, for geeky guys like me, it's uh, oh, I know it's, it's a, a dream blessing. come true. But like, like I said, like half this stuff doesn't work properly. Yeah, and the, and like another issue is that there's so many different types of products out there that there's, they don't they don't communicate with each other. That's so you right. have to make a huge investment. Are you going to be all Apple or all Google or all Belkin Wemo? It's it's kind of fragmented that way. And so I agree with you, Carrie, that uh, I don't think that uh, it's going to be uh, a hit with consumers. But for enterprise, it makes perfect sense to be more efficient, like, say, on the production lines by having everything communicate with each other. Absolutely. Uh, connectivity. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, we still there's still um, a connectivity sort of chasm. Um, for those of us that live in the cities, um, you know, it's pretty typical for us to get, you know, the 25 megabits per second. But for the rest, as soon as you go around to, say, for instance, Lions Bay, I mean, they're lucky if they can get five. And we're seeing that consistently across the country, that um, that, that sort of chasm of um, the, the difference in the connectivity from the major metropolitans to literally communities just around the corner is actually deepening. It's not getting better. So people in the big cities, like, you know, closer to like the Vancouver's and Toronto's, Calgary's, they've got faster internet speeds than people in the outlying areas. And, and why is that a, a, an issue? Well, I mean, it's it, it really kind of flows with your population, and um, you know, you're trying to watch all these short form videos and long form, you know, and Netflix and different things on Apple TV, and you've got that kind of poor connectivity. It just, are you going to be watching it? You know, you're going to stick to your regular cable TV. So. So they all have to move to the city, as you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> You want your Netflix? Go downtown. Yeah, exactly. Well, Carrie, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, a.k.a. Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Where can uh, people find out more about uh, Deloitte's uh, predictions? So you just go uh, go on your uh, browser and just type in Deloitte's, uh, Deloitte's TMT, which is Technology, Media, and Telecom's predictions, and it'll pop up, and you can get the whole, the whole story on all of it. Fantastic. Thanks again for joining us. You're most welcome. That was uh, Carrie Lockhart. Not Ryan. Not Ryan Lockhart. <laughs> uh, she's... Technology industry leader over at uh, Deloitte. Always a pleasure to have her on. What I want to do now is open up the phone lines. We're going to go general open line here and get connected, taking any of your tech calls or questions. 604-280-9898. If you're phoning long distance, the number is one 399 When we come back from the break, we'll take your calls. Uh, we'll also be hearing the app of the week later on in the hour with uh, Christina. And Andy will also be telling us what the prize 
for our contest is. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected, Mike and Andy here in studio. We've gone open line, taking your tech calls and questions, 604-280-9898, if you're phoning long distance. Let's go with the contest first, Andy. So this week, we're giving away the Violite Personal Travel Toothbrush Sanitizer Case. That's a mouthful. It is a mouthful. It's hilarious, though. So what's this? This is a toothbrush case that you can use for traveling or at home. And what it has is a UV light built into it that breaks down all the germs that get onto your toothbrush and kind of eliminates it. And it says it can clean 99.99% germs. That's pretty cool because when I travel, my toothbrush is looking pretty grody. Yeah, I think a lot of people have that problem. Uh, It's perfect for the germaphobes out there who are always worried about uh, what's on their toothbrush. This thing, by using this UV light, which has been used around for, for years in hospital settings... Um, it, it will clean it, basically. And all you have to do to check this out, just go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com, and hit on the contest page to see what it looks like and be sure to enter. It's funny because, Mike, we, we also saw that phone soap box. Yes. Which is the same same concept except it's for your smartphone. Yeah. They said one out of every six smartphones has fecal matter on it. And this thing will uh, clean so it. So gross. It is gross. It's... I, I, I took that thing on uh, my global news segment. Yeah. Uh, I do the noon hour news. And yeah, yeah, we got a lot <laughs> of feedback about that. <laughs> but essentially, it's a little box. box. You stick your smartphone in and it kills all the germs on your screen. Yeah, using a UV light. Yeah. So um, the, the, the funny thing is you can't actually see it get cleaner. Like no. you just put it in the box, then you take it out and it's like, okay. The germs are gone. <laughs> you have to take your word for it. <laughs> but yeah, go to our website to enter, getconnectedmedia.com. For the toothbrush one. For the toothbrush, yeah. Okay. We're going to jump here to uh, Lou in Vancouver. Hey, Lou. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. What can we do for you? Uh, quick question. You know, when you're downloading an app from like Play Store um, uh, and it asks uh, for all that access to the different parts of your phone, yeah. Yeah. Is, that, is that a wise thing to do? Is that a good thing to allow? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, they're doing a good thing. They're basically telling you what that app is going after. Like, is it going to access your contact book? Uh, you know, sometimes it'll ask for permission to use the camera, that, that GPS. Kind of GPS. So, uh, you know, on one side, that's good. At least you're knowing what uh, what's happening there. But it's really surprising how much information and access some of these apps are accessing. But uh, for them to function, you know, a lot of them need that. You know, a lot of people... Uh, download Skype, for example, and it'll ask for permission to use your camera and your microphone. And your contacts. Yeah. And it, it kind of needs those to actually work. You know, a lot of people, you know, are a little worried. Why does it need my microphone? Is it listening on, in on me? Well, no. But, you know, to make a call, it has to be able to use that microphone. And and so by to be in the App Store, they have to, by Google and Apple's um, terms have to get that consent from the user yeah. that you're consent you're saying yes you can use my camera and, and that it doesn't mean that they're spying on you per se but like you said Mike they need that permission because they need that access to those functionalities to make the app work you know if you if you are a little uh, nervous about a certain app you know asking for too much permission just maybe do a, a quick google search on it just to see if there's any issues and of course read the reviews as well of course yeah. on the google play store to see what well that's the nice are. thing with google and apple they've got all those reviews and if there's any issues believe me people are pretty vocal oh, yeah. <laughs> about them but you know it's good at least you know what it's accessing right 
Absolutely. It's always hard for me to actually switch phones, Mike, because I have all these apps that I want to bring over to the new phone, but I have to consent to all the apps because you can't just do a dump of no. all your, your apps because of that consent. I'm going to jump here to uh, Malcolm in Richmond. Hey, Malcolm. Good morning, guys. Thanks Good morning. Thanks for my call. Uh, what do you think of Spotify? Spotify. I like it. It's like uh, it. another music streaming service that's... Uh, now available in Canada. Yeah, it wasn't. It was only a couple months ago, I think. Yeah, that it, it did came come to Canada. Since since it's arrived, I've been using it almost exclusively. Before then, it was Songza. Then I moved to SoundCloud. Yeah. Then there was Ardio. Oh, I, I still use Ardio. I, I love Ardio. So our, I think Ardio and Spotify are really neck to neck. They're like the Coke and Pepsi of the streaming worlds right now. Yeah. They're very similar. Cool thing about Spotify is that you can they have a free version, so you can use it for free. But they have these little ads in it, or you pay ten bucks a month and you have access to just about any piece of music you could. And that's imagine. how the, the music world is now. It's all going subscription. Absolutely, you're not buying CDs. You're not even buying like individual songs or albums on iTunes anymore. Uh, most people are going subscription based. You know, for ten bucks a month, you have access to millions of songs. Not only that, they have playlists on there, just yeah, kind of like that, how songs. That's my are. favorite. So, so you can get a certain genre of music that you like. Um, it'll be up there. And people are curating and they're adding new songs. So it's great for music discovery as well as listening to your favorite tracks. Yeah, so my top three favorite ones would be Ardio, uh, Songza, Used Lots, and Spotify is mm -hmm. up there as well. Yeah, uh, I know Deezer is uh, gaining popularity as well here yeah. in Canada, which is another one. Can't really go wrong with any of them. You know, the great features, you have access to pretty well every song you can imagine. Uh, and the playlists are fantastic, mm -hmm. right? So you don't have to sit there and make up your own song lists. A lot, they'll have them all made for you. Although I do want to make playlists because I think I can make some killer ones. I yeah. just have to do that in the future. Going to jump here to Scott in Vancouver. Hey, Scott. Morning. Morning. Got a virus question. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was on the old interweb looking at old Formula One videos, and I got... One of the screens that says you have a virus, phone this number, and blah, blah, blah. And I know not to phone the number. Yeah. So I logged off. And when I logged back on, the computer had reset to when, I, to when you buy it. Oh, my gosh. So uh, I did the, the magic time date thing. Yeah, system restore. And everything came back uh, to the restore. But my question is... What happened? I I don't know. I've I haven't heard of that particular one. Um, unfortunately, there's literally thousands of viruses, spyware, malware uh, out there. Uh, it's I I don't think it's enough anymore to have just the Windows uh, built-in antivirus and anti-spyware. Uh, you probably want to look at some of the other ones on the market, like uh, uh, you know the Semantic, Semantic Norton 360. Um, you know, there's a Vast as well. You can get online. Quite honestly, I, I use a Fix Me stick. Yeah. You know, you can pick these things up at uh, London Drugs. Um, it's like a little USB stick that you stick into the USB port on your computer. It's got all sorts of great antivirus and anti-malware stuff on it. And that thing cleans your computer like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, this virus that he's talking about sounds like it's in his BIOS. If yeah. It resets his computer, so it's deep in there. And what Fix Me Stick does, it has its own operating system. So when you reset the computer, it loads its own operating system. It doesn't even use Windows. No, no. it bypasses even before Windows opens. Yeah. Then it goes online. It connects to your Wi-Fi network, gets the newest uh, antivirus updates, searches your computer in the BIOS and everywhere else to find all the different viruses, 
quarantines them and then eliminates it and then your computer starts right after that. And that's what you use when you know you have a virus. Yeah. Antivirus is more of your protection. This is like the plan B for your PC when you know yeah, that. it's the fire extinguisher. Absolutely. There's already a fire. <laughs> You're putting it out. Yeah, and so now you want to find it. And yeah. what I like about it is that it bypasses the whole Windows BIOS and everything. Yeah. It, it works on its own. So viruses that are, are hidden deep inside your computer, it will find it and it will eliminate it. And it's so easy. You just hook it up. Press reset, say, okay, okay, go make yourself a sandwich, and when you come back, it's it's going to find all those viruses. Yeah, it's been a lifesaver for me. But, yeah, I would look at some of these other uh, antivirus uh, software packages uh, out there. It's just there's so much crap. Uh, you know, I thought I was protected, yeah. uh, but I you know ended up getting some stuff, and I had to use a fix-me stick for it. Mm-hmm. When we come back from the break, we'll be talking with Christina about App of the Week. So stay tuned. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs, here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and Andy here in studio. It's that time. Christina Stoyanova with App of the Week. What do we got? Well, this week we've got an app for podcasts. Podcasts. Uh, ah, yes. okay. This is a podcast player, and there's tons of them out there, and lots of people have different favorites. Um, but this one's actually kind of cool. It's got a really simple, intuitive interface. Uh, some of those podcast players can be overwhelming. Um so it, this one is for iPhone, and it's called Overcast. Overcast. Yes. And, and do you find a lot of people are listening to podcasts still? Yeah. That's and huge. in our office, there's always Buzz. Our One of our senior producers, Brian, has his own podcast. So everyone's always talking about p- podcasts. So they're like little mini radio shows. Yeah. Did you ever watch uh, or listen to Serial? No. Serial that was it huge. Took, it was took huge. the internet by storm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this Overcast is really cool. Like I said, really intuitive, clean interface. But the other thing that it does is that it actually lets you connect to Twitter and then it will recommend podcasts that the people you follow on Twitter are listening to. So that's kind of a cool feature. That's interesting. Yeah. And then there's also a premium version that adds some more features. It's an in-app purchase for $4.99. Uh, but it lets you do things like it's got a feature called Smart Speed. So it will actually shorten the pauses in the podcast to shave off minutes. Like if you're listening to a one-hour podcast on your 40-minute commute, yeah. it's nice to have the option to speed it up a little bit. Do people talk faster? <laughs> well, it just shortens the pauses and the breaths. But it does actually <laughs> shave off minutes does off it? of podcasts. Yeah. So, uh, um, question. Does it download the podcast? Because I learned this the hard way. I was using one yeah. called Slacker on Android. And I thought, oh, yeah, it's downloaded all these podcasts. No, it was streaming it. And here I am, like, cutting the grass. And yeah. the, my data just got used all up because <laughs> I was, like, listening to this thing for hours. Yeah, no, it does download them right to your phone, so then you can listen to them later. And what it does is it uh, downloads the three latest episodes and stores them on your phone. So then when you're on your commute or jogging or whatever the case may be, you can listen to them. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I I don't really ever subscribe to any podcasts, but I'm interested to try that serial uh, one. Uh, That's just gotten so much buzz. And I wonder if that will help ignite the whole podcasting 
area. It's, it's huge. It's never really slowed down. But when Serial came out, everybody was talking about it. And um, I, I actually listened to it as well. So Is it I'm, good? I'm into it. And you know what we're going to do, Mike? What? We're going to turn this show into a podcast. Okay. It, it makes sense yeah. that people, if they don't get to listen to it um, live, they can just download it and listen to us offline. But with her app, they'll take out all the pauses and... And breaths will sound crazy. <laughs> we probably will. Well, yeah. our, our show will be shortened from an hour to ten minutes. Exactly. <laughs> you do take unusually long breaths, Mike. I, it's for dramatic effect. And, and he's trying to think <sighs> before he says things, too, which is very important. Very cool. So this is just uh, available for uh, iPhone users? For, yeah, for iOS. So it's free. Um, and then if you want the premium version with all the extra bells and whistles, it's four ninety nine. And the name again? Overcast. Just overcast. One word, overcast, just the way you, you would say it. If you want to be a cool podcast listener. Looks like that's all the time we have left for the show. I want to thank all the Get Connected uh, crew. Of course, Andy Barrar, my co-host and producer, and Christina Stoyanova for App of the Week, which you can uh, sometimes see up on our website as well at getconnectedmedia.com.